Good morning. How are we doing? We can hear me? All right, great. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Paul Stiver. I'm one of the elders here at Hope Lower Town, and this is my backyard. Oh, a little bit about me real quick. I, I am an elder here. Uh, I also work for Hope, uh, Hope Global. Uh, I work for with our Leadership Development Institute, raising up leaders in uh, internships. Uh, if, if you want to be an intern, you should. Uh, get in touch with me, Paul Stiver at HopeCC.com. Uh, it's amazing. It's super fun. Uh, even in the midst of what we're facing right now, we're having a blast and making disciples. I'm also a pastoral resident uh, with Hope, and so I get to do things like this, which is super fun. Uh, and I want to just call out that, that uh, connection card. They're in the back. Uh, if you want to get connected to us, you can email us at Lower Town or Hope CC. We want to, if you just need a one-on-one, you need someone to talk to, Brian or myself, we'll get back to you. But I put on that card, it's good to see you. I think that's going to be my new phrase. It's good to see you. It's good to see people today. And, and for those joining us online, we're glad you're here with us. The, the body is gathered in person and online. We're in this together. Uh, but this is my backyard. Uh, it snowed. I don't know if you guys knew that, but it snowed. Um, I have a bird feeder, or we have a bird feeder. And if you look, I actually did a little shovel patch because um, a lot of the bird seed falls to the ground and the birds actually just come and eat it off the ground. So I shoveled it out for them so that they can have that. Um, but it was a weird journey with the bird feeder. I don't know if anyone's ever had one, but there was like a long time where we didn't get any birds. I put it up. The seed was in there. I'm like, here we go. And waited and waited at no birds. Uh, and now I'm, I've learned them. I had to learn the birds. They came and now they're coming. But now my question is, when do they leave? Don't they leave? I feel like birds, don't they fly south? That's what I was told in the history books. Um, but they're not, they haven't flown south yet, so I got to keep feeding them. Anyway, so that's a little bit about me. And I had to learn that, right? And we're going to learn today, hopefully, uh, as we look, we're in the ninth week now of our sermon series. The gospel changes everything. And we're actually looking at listening today. So that, that's fun. Uh, listening the language of love here as we continue on in this series. And so that's today's message. We're going to look at John chapter 10 and a couple other passages. And what's the big idea here? We know that God sees us, hears us, and cares for us. I think we'll see that today. And this changes everything about the way we listen to others. As those grounded, rooted in the gospel, our ability to listen might just be our best foot forward in displaying the attractive beauty of Christ, an increasingly noisy and lonely world. And so where are we headed? We're going to exegete some passages. That's, that's a, just a word for we're going to try and uh, archaeology dig and figure out what is God's word trying to say to us. We're going to look at those for principles. Oftentimes, these passages, the things we're going to look at, weren't necessarily written to us today but they were written for us. So what can we get out of those? We want to exegete them and see what comes out instead of eisegesis, which Brian's mentioned recently, of reading what, reading what we wanted to say into the text. We're going to look in and see what the text has to say for us. Uh, we're going to look at redemptive history. We're going to consider kind of the storyline of the Bible and God's story of redeeming people. And how does that lead up to listening and us? And we're going to consider Jesus in that. And then we're going to hopefully get a little practical. And so if you're looking at this, this is an image of a shepherd. This is kind of the theme that, I, that we're going to follow today. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about shepherds, and we're going to trace out some of that theme. For example, you might be familiar with Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right. So we're just going to trace out this theme of shepherds, and I think that it's relevant for us as we consider listening the language of love. Because the shepherd's life is one 
demonstrated by thinking about others, the sheep, and caring for them instead of thinking about himself or, or herself and focusing only on oneself. So we're going to look, starting it here in actually Ezekiel 34. So we're going to go Old Testament. We're going to go back to, um, just to give a little context for this time here. So we've got our Bible story, right? Creation, everything's good. Sin enters the world. Um, and God promises right away he's going to redeem. And so he actually calls Abram, who becomes Abraham, and makes a covenant with him. And from Abraham come the people of Israel. And they are delivered out of Egypt and into a covenant with God. He's going to be their God and they will be his people. And then he sets up stipulations for the covenant. And he says, walk in these ways like I am. Represent me to the world. And when you do that, you will be my people And Israel then starts to walk in God's ways, but quickly they start to walk out of God's ways. And in the covenant, there are uh, rewards, blessings for obedience, and punishment, curses for disobedience. And right now, when we're in Ezekiel, they are under that kind of final or ultimate curse, which is exile. The people of Israel have been taken out of their land and carried away Babylonian captivity, and they are now under the punishment of exile, under the curse of exile. And so... They were unfaithful to the covenant. But here God has a word. And it's not necessarily to the people of Israel as much as to their shepherds. And it says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy. And so now Ezekiel is a prophet. Sorry, real quick. Ezekiel's a prophet. A prophet? Who's a prophet? A prophet in the covenant was God's mouthpiece. They're calling to the people of God and saying, You are walking away from what God has called you to in the covenant. Oftentimes they were called to bring words of judgment. But they also bring pictures of hope and a glorious future. I think we're going to see all of those here in Ezekiel's word. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord. Because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths, and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements of the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, 
and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So God brings this harsh word to the the rulers, the kings, the priests of Israel, these shepherds. And he says, you only take care of yourselves. You do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. So what's coming? This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. It's gotten so bad here. God's indicting these rulers and leaders by saying, the sheep have become a prey for you. Instead of caring for them, he paints this picture of removing the flock from their mouths, that they've been feeding on the flock. But we have to see God's promise here. God is making some promises. He says, I will rescue. I will tend. I will look after my sheep. I will lead them to pasture. And so this indictment comes with promises, and we see that promise coming more fulfilled, coming fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And so just for context now, we're looking at John 10, 1 through 21. And just for context, this is in Jesus' ministry now. He's come to earth. He's been born of a virgin. He's grown and he's begun his ministry. And right before this in John chapter 9, he's actually opened the eyes of a blind man. And there was much debate about it. Gosh, did he sin? How can he see now? Could Jesus actually open the eyes of a blind man? How, how could he do that? Whose power is he doing that with? And now we've got the rulers and leaders of this time the Pharisees, and Jesus has a word for them. He says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Real quick, sheep, just, I don't know if we have any shepherds in here. I've come to learn this about sheep. They actually are very loyal. When they will hear their shepherd's voice and they will not listen to the voice of another shepherd. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. 
and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So here's Jesus claiming that mantle that we saw in Ezekiel 34. God says, I will come and I will tend my sheep. And Jesus says, here I am. I am here to seek and care for my sheep. This is the command of my father. And he even says, not just to Israel, I have other sheep. They will also listen to my voice that the gospel is going to expand to all nations. But we see these two responses to Jesus here. Why listen to him? Maybe that's you today. Maybe you hear these words and you say, I don't know about this gospel. I don't know about the scriptures. I don't know about this message of Jesus. Maybe I I think I can figure this out on my own. God's not doing something here. Or maybe you actually are open. Maybe God is at work. How could Jesus rise from the dead unless he's God? And so we see responses. We're always, when we come to the scriptures, faced with the choice of how we're going to respond to what we are confronted with in the text. And is there principles here? As we think about how we listen, you only take care of yourselves, God says to the shepherds of Israel. You do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or even searched for the lost. And so when we come to the text and we're confronted with something like this, and we say, do these principles overlap with our listening? We have to think about that. But what we do see is that Jesus is a mirror for us. When we come to the Bible, Jesus is a mirror and he reveals back to us our flaws. But he also shows us his goodness. So we got to think about why don't we listen? Why don't we listen? Man, I know why I don't listen. Talk about, by the way, just a tough sermon. Uh, Very convicted all week long, but that's good. We can't get over ourselves. I want to speak. I don't want to sit and listen. We're prideful. Well, my opinion on that is better. I'm sorry. I'll listen to you until I get to talk. We're distracted. This is, a little, this is to me, but maybe it, it relates to you too. Put down, I'm preaching to me now, but you, maybe you. Put down your phone and look someone in the eye. And listen to them. We forget God's grace to us. We forget that God has been so good to seek us out and love us. And we don't live that way. Maybe we just stop listening to Jesus as loudly as we listen to other things. There's so much noise right now. 
news, social media, our own thoughts. Are we tuning out Jesus? But really, because that's here's our biggest problem. There are times when I give more thought to how I'm going get, to get those birds in my backyard fed with the bird feeder than how I'm going to listen to my own wife and how I'm going to care for my own wife. The problem that I have and that we have is that we've rejected listening to God. That's not something I can read a book and fix. That's a sin problem in my heart that I need a Savior to heal. When we look at this whole list, that's a, those are heart problems. It isn't just stop being more, stop being prideful. It's I need to be changed. So this, I, this is, I swear this is the most generally ignored or the most, the most ignored general rule. You're not supposed to, this, I didn't know this till like two years ago. You're not supposed to put Q-tips in your ears. Everyone else is like, yeah, we knew that. Uh, but is that the most ignored general rule? It feels like everybody does that. I don't know, maybe that's, maybe it's just me. But do we have plugged ears to what God's trying to say to us? How can we care for others and hear others and listen to others if we don't even care what God has to say to us? Or as Simon and Garfunkel said, in the song, The Boxer, because you got to quote them, right, from time to time. All lies and jest, still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. You know, maybe you're watching at home or in this room. You're saying, yeah, I'm not sure about this gospel. This message of sin and, and God's wrath, condemnation, that's a little bit distasteful, I think. Are you plugging your ears to that, to this gospel? And maybe for the believer, maybe the, the cares of life, the concerns of life have, have led you to drown out the voice of your Savior. If the problem is our sin, we need a Savior, and thankfully we have one. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. You see that? We got to catch that. Jesus, the Son of God, who from all eternity has been living in perfect, harmonious bliss, imaging his Father back to him, and they have the deepest and most intimate relationship. He says, I know my sheep like that, and they know me like that, and I lay down my life for them. And that laying down is the cross. The cross is what unplugs our ears to hear the gospel. When we see the cross, we see that our sin is condemned, but not on us, on our Savior. And he's exalted. And we actually, what Luther calls the great exchange, he takes my sin to the cross, and when he rises from the dead, and I put my faith in him, he gives me his righteousness. And now I can be known by the Father and by the Son in that intimate relationship. that he lays down his life of his own accord and he takes it up again. And so we come to Christ by listening to and responding to his voice in the gospel. That's how we get started. As Brian has called it recently, the gospel door. I'm opening the door. I'm walking in. And for those of us who already believe, we continue on in Christ. The way we keep going through the rest of this life 
is by listening and responding to his voice in the gospel, the good news, the Bible, the story of redemption. So how do we do that? we got to sit at the feet of Jesus. This is one of my favorite stories. is from Luke chapter 10. And it says, and As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So we have this picture of these two. Martha is serving. She's doing a lot. And Mary's sitting at his feet. She's listening. Martha wants Jesus, Jesus, notice me. Don't you see everything I'm doing for you? I'm getting things ready. But she didn't want to sit at his feet. She wanted him to acknowledge what she was doing. Jesus just wants us to come to him. It's not about our works. It's about trusting in his work on the cross. And so Mary chose wisely. Martha had opened her home to Jesus, but then didn't listen to him. Is that you? Is that me? And secondly, what I love about this, and we, this is just a, uh, one of the ways that we continue to grow in Christ is we become what we behold. When we search out and see Jesus in the scriptures, we start to be like him. We start to become like him. So let's think about how does Jesus listen to us? I've got a few just examples to talk through here. So Psalm 56, it's a classic. You've kept count of my tears. They're in a bottle. You have written my tossings in a book that God is depicted as caring about even the tears that we shed as if he's keeping a record of them. Man, that's listening. In John 4, the disciples can't understand what Jesus is doing when he's listening to a Samaritan woman who wouldn't in that culture have been perceived as even fully human. He's crossing ethnic boundaries, class boundaries, gender boundaries, honor, shame boundaries to listen and share the good news with the Samaritan woman. In Luke chapter 10, the lawyer gets up to bring shame on Jesus and test him. and says, well, what does the law say? What are the two greatest commandments? And Jesus asks him, how do you read it? Instead of condemning the man. It's one of the, the most beautiful pictures of Jesus. The parable of the rich, or the story of the rich young ruler, rather. Not a parable, it happened. The rich young ruler is in the midst of rejecting Jesus. The one thing he needs. And it says of Jesus, he looked at him and loved him. And then Philippians 4, that this, Jesus is a safe space for all of our cares and our anxieties. So even as we look at this list, how could we start to listen like this, like him? And even further and more importantly, maybe than any of those, Jesus listens to the Father and does his will. The fact, that fact is why we can be saved. 
Because in the Father's plan, the shepherd was to lay down his life for the sheep, and Jesus fully obeys. He does it. And if our listening is a sin problem in our hearts, we need a Savior, one who will be obedient where we weren't, and that's Jesus. But we also need one who seeks us. And Jesus listens like a shepherd seeking lost sheep. And so let's consider that from the shepherd theme. Luke chapter 15. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country? And go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So we have this picture of a seeking Savior. A shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep and then goes in search of others. So let's behold that God. Who is that God? This is a painting uh, from 1835. I learned a little bit about art this week, guys. This is a painting from 1835 by a guy named Jean-Baptiste Camille Corot, a French painter famous for landscapes. This painting is called Hagar in the Wilderness. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know the story of Hagar. We go back to that Abraham that I'd mentioned at the beginning of the story. And God says, I'm going to give you a promised child. And then it doesn't happen. Isaac doesn't come. So Sarai, Sarah and Abraham decide to take matters into their own hands. And Hagar is a female slave of, and servant of Sarah. And they say, take my slave. And so Hagar uh, and Abram have a child, Ishmael. And when that happens, Sarah doesn't like it and casts her out with her son. They're cast out into the wilderness. And they get to the place where they get out into the wilderness and they realize, Hagar realizes, I'm not surviving. He's not surviving. It's over. And they're out in the wilderness to die. She put his, her son over there. And she's there, and she's just waiting to die. And if you look at the painting, what happens in the story, you can see the angel of the Lord way off in the distance, out of sight. The angel of the Lord is complex in the Old Testament, but oftentimes is portrayed as like God or as God. Is this God seeking her out? And here's the thing. She can't see the God who's seeking her. She is at the moment of ultimate desperation and she thinks all hope is lost. And he shows up. And it says in Genesis chapter 16, when he comes to her, you are the God who sees me. I have seen the one who looks after me. Is this you today? Are you maybe that person that's desperate, exasperated, 
Not seeing a hope, not seeing a future. I can tell you, I was that person. That's actually kind of fun. The Luke chapter 15 passage is the passage that was being preached at Hope West on March 1st of 2015 when I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and the fulfillment of all his promises. That as bad a sinner as I was, he sought me. And he seeks us. He's seeking. So what about us? How do we listen? If Jesus is the seeking Savior, how do we listen? This is a fun image of uh, the rhinoceros. He's supposed to be painting a landscape, but as you look, he's obviously painting just his own horn. (laughs) And the quote that accompanies this picture is, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. And the idea behind that when we think about listening is we don't have the full picture. Oftentimes our views are clouded. And listening really helps us open up and see the greater landscape or see what someone is sharing with us. But let's get to the big question. If the sermon series is the gospel changes everything, the big question is, came listening with a gospel lens, being a seeking person, being a loving person, can that actually change the world? One of the fun things we got to do during this uh, week was do a survey. I did a staff survey, and I asked a few questions about listening. And one of the questions I asked was, what kind of gospel impact could we have if we just listen to others well? And one commentator, one of our staff said, when we listen, we are modeling something that so many have not experienced or forgotten what it feels like. We are modeling Christ's character through our interaction with this person that God has put in conversation with us. Just a quick side note. We're struggling. COVID-19 is hard. Everything that we're facing and going through right now individually, corporately, is challenging. For many people, you haven't experienced someone listening to you in a while. Maybe you are feeling so isolated and lonely. It doesn't have to be that way. We're here, Lower Town at Hope CC. Get into a small group. But ultimately, we can have gospel impact by listening because we know the God who sees us. No one has ever felt more dignity and honor and worth than the sheep on the shoulders of Christ. And we get to put that love and honor and worth on display just by listening to people. Let's take that even further, continuing with, how does this, this was just some answers from the survey. How does being listened to make you feel? I feel known, heard, understood. I feel really cared for and valuable. People have lots of choices with how to use their time. The choices are practically endless. It's nice to know they chose to listen to me. See, relaxed, valued, warm, understood. I feel cared for, heard, valued, recognized, loved, significant. I matter. Cared for, encouraged. Could we be a people who, when when we sit with others, they walk away saying these things? 
And what a door would that open for sharing the gospel when we show people, I really heard you. I really heard you. I love you. I value you. You matter. But I have this message of good news about a Savior who saves sinners. Do we seek others? Do we lay down our lives? Only in Christ can we be saved from the lovelessness that doesn't want to listen. Only in Christ can we be saved from the pride that wants to speak instead of hearing, that dismisses others. All right, let's get practical. So we've got a few things just on getting practical. For, I promise to get practical and I will. So just active listening. Uh, I get the opportunity, the honor with Allison to do some premarital counseling. And one of the things that is in the premarital counseling that we have everyone go through is an activity on active listening and assertiveness. You have to repeat, you have to share something that you would like to have out of the relationship and why you would like that. And then the person has to say, okay, so you feel like if I did this, it would make you feel this way. They have to repeat back. That's active listening. And vice versa. Active listening is hard work, but let's work on it. Can we be people who hear, repeat back? Help me understand. Is this what you're saying? I want to really get into what you're trying to say. We've got to avoid interrupting and listening to respond. We've got to be present with people. We could look at empathy as opposed to sympathy. We see empathy as, I'm going to tap into something that I also relate to in your experience. We can find out if people want feedback or a listening ear, how many times I've tried to fix it. Well, I could just tell you what to do. You shared that thing. Let me just tell you what to do. Only to hear back, yeah, I've thought of that. I've already thought of that. I just needed you to say that you care. I need you to, I need to just hear that that sounds really hard. One of the ways we can be a people about the sanctity of life is by listening. We can put people's, the fact that they are made in the image of God, the imago Dei, we can put that gospel truth on display. When Jesus came into the world, John the Baptist said, I must become less. That's what listening is. I'm going to become less so you can have honor, so I can hear what you're saying. And lastly, thinking about cultural implications, can we consider differences without defensiveness and dismissiveness? And I just want to ask it this way. Are we a safe landing spot for the cries of those who are different from us? Is Jesus? Yeah. So as we close here, I just want to think about this idea of being a bridge builder. A bridge builder is connecting one thing to another, and we get that opportunity as listeners that we get to make connections to others because we have been connected to the life of Christ. That God, by the blood of his sent son, brought us back into the fold. And now we get to be bridge builders. We get to listen to people so they can feel connection. Then we get to share Jesus with them so they can be connected with his life the way that we are. We get to love them deeply. That God is in the business of seeking sinners to save. And we are the foremost. So let's be about his business. So as we close here, just do you need a gospel Q-tip? 
If you're a non-believer listening to this online or here in this room, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, today can be the day to open your ears to the fact, man, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. You can accept Christ today by putting your faith in him. If you are a believer, are you drowning out his voice? You need to clean your ears with some good time sitting at his feet, beholding him. And then will you build bridges to others by listening to them with the love of Jesus? And we do this in his power. As the old hymn says, I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in Christ your all in all. We're going to be moving to a time of communion. And so here at Hope, uh, we don't practice, we practice what we call open communion. Uh, You don't have to be a member of this church or any church. We only ask that you'd be a follower of Jesus. The communion was available in the back, the communion cup, the little creamer guys. Brian, Brian makes that joke, I like it, so we're stick with it. Uh, the communion cups were in the back if you didn't get one. We're going to play a couple songs and take time, just reflect on these things, to praise the Lord who seeks us and to then say, how can I be more of that kind of person like you? Um, so you don't have to be a member of this church or any church. We just ask you to be a follower of Jesus. And if that's today, come tell us about it. That's awesome if that is today. Uh But yeah, when we take this communion, we're remembering Christ's body broken for us, his blood shed for us and for our sin and that he has new life and in him we have life as well. So please pray with me. God, we thank you so much that you are a God who is about redemption, that you tell the greatest redemption story there is of a God who seeks and saves the lost by sending his son to deal with the one problem, the sin in our hearts and the death that is a result. That Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead so that we could have new life and his righteousness. So God, help us. Help us to be a people who live out that righteousness by the way that we listen and honor others with dignity and respect and also by the way that we share the gospel that we realize this message is urgent and it is best packaged in love. So help us to be those who do that. Help us to reflect more on who you are, be honored and glorified as we close out this time. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.